to everyone who did that. And I hope that we can take the spiritual lessons from that situation into the bigger challenge that we've been set as a church. Because you might remember back in June, we shared with you uh, the overall vision, which we'll just have on the screen now, um, that we feel as a vision team that God has led us to. And we don't see any reason to change this. So, on 31st of December 2020, we are a vibrant, growing church, deepening our relationship with God, seeing lives and our community transformed, and it continued. We are doing this through depending on prayer and the Holy Spirit to experience and share love and grace. Planting new ministries and congregations that reach many more for Jesus. Developing our people and our buildings into the heart of our community. Offering help and hope to all. But we're going to be doing that in a country and in a culture that's never been more secular, at least not for many hundreds of years. We need to be missionaries in our own country now, don't we? But here's the good news. That was exactly what the early church had to do as well. And they managed it. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the focus of our work as a vision team since June has been on how do we get there. We don't just want God to give us a vision. We want him to deliver it. We want that vision to be fulfilled. And next week, we're going to look at a lot more of the detail behind the specific initiatives that we hope to take, as well as the significant financial step change that we're going to need to take to create the capacity to grow and to plant a new church. But today, we're going to look at the big picture of what else needs to happen to see that vision up there fulfilled and this church to significantly grow. And we're going to do that by once again drawing on this wonderful passage from Acts 2 that God has laid on our heart right at the beginning of the vision process and as we planned the series for this term. It seems that that passage is really significant for us at this time. So I'm going to unpack that in a moment to see what pointers, what three things do we as a church need to concentrate on in the next three years in order to see that vision fulfilled. At first, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you speak. Thank you that you act, that you deliver. Thank you for Paul and what you've done in his life. But thank you for the privilege of us as a church, journeying with him, stepping out in faith, and seeing that faith rewarded. Lord, we thank you. And we pray now you would speak faith into our next steps as a church. That we would believe that you can change things. That we can grow. That people can come to know you. And that we can be everything that you call us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, let's just remind ourselves of where we've got to now in this sermon series this term. These are the pillars the uh, characteristics of that Acts 2 church that we're seeking to learn from. That's what we've done so far. Now on to the next slide. Today, we think about growing. How can we grow? How can we see the kingdom extended in this town, in this area, through us? And I'm going to, as I've said, address the three essential things that we need to do and move forward. And if we're to see that vision fulfilled... A vision needs to be simple. 
It needs to be memorable. And what I'm going to end up sharing with you, I hope, ticks those boxes. It'll be something you can remember. It'll be something that we can keep reminding ourselves on week by week. And if we do that, we believe as a vision team, this can bring the transformation and the growth that we need. So, what's the number one thing we need to do? The number one spiritual lesson of Paul's stunning victory in the courts on Friday? Well, it has to be this. It's all about prayer. The early church, Acts 2, they were devoted to prayer. And if we read the whole of the book of Acts, time and time again, we see them gathering to pray. Pray before every significant decision, every significant breakthrough that came in the spread of the gospel. Prayer infused it all, just as Jesus, time and time again, took himself away to pray. Prayer changes things. And as I've been reflecting on Paul's situation, I thought of the parable of the persistent widow and how close that is to his experience. Praying for years and years. And yet Jesus said that in the end, justice will come. God came through. And that is a wonderful encouragement to us that if we pray persistently, about this church growing and people coming to faith, God will do it. He will be at work. And one of the reasons I'm so confident about our vision is is because so much prayer has gone into it. Actually, from the whole church, we had various gatherings, didn't we, from January right through uh, the process, where we could all pray, we could all listen to God, we could all share the prophetic words that he gave, and that we could all input into what we see the potential being here in this place. And if we want to get anywhere near fulfilling it, then we have to pray and keep on praying and just be on this absolute journey of persistent prayer, spirit-led prayer, praying together en masse, praying individually on our own, praying in life groups, saying that we're going to do everything we can to make sure this vision is fulfilled. And that means praying. And when we look at the book of Acts, it tells us what happens when we do pray. The room they were in sometimes was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had incredible courage in preaching and witnessing. Incredible generosity as they shared their resources. They saw remarkable healings. They saw miraculous escapes from prison, from snake bites, from shipwrecks. They saw people coming to faith every day. And they saw the most unlikely of conversions, like their persecutor Saul, who was killing the Christians and then became the chief messenger of the gospel. Or the Ethiopian eunuch, who took the gospel back to Africa, where he came from. And it led to the gospel spreading rapidly across the whole of the known world, within a generation to India, taken by Thomas, across Europe, taken by Peter and Paul, across the Middle East, and into Africa. And there were many profound revelations that they experienced as well. Guiding that process, like the man from Macedonia in the vision, like through dreams and through many prophetic words. So if we pray, does God still do miracles today? Absolutely. And what sort of ways then? How does he work today? Well, there's the miracle of bringing people to faith, for one thing. That is a miracle. A miracle has occurred in each of our lives if we know Jesus as our saviour. Then there's the miracle of God's intervention in situations that seem stuck, immovable, like Paul's 
situation was. God answers prayers. Or as a preacher, I have to tell you that every time I come to preach a sermon, I plead with God to help me. It always comes so difficult to to do it, to write something. And I plead, plead with God, God, please give me the words to say. And he always comes through in the end. And the same is true of divinely led conversations that we have Divinely led life group sessions, divinely led worship times, divinely led quiet times, divinely led family time, divinely led days in the workplace or volunteering or however we use our time. In short, any activity that we do and get involved in can be miraculous if we invite God into it and see what happens. And yes, that will certainly sometimes include some of those dramatic things that the Acts 2 passages was probably highlighting. Healings, prophetic words that are bang on the money, guidance or confirmation about something that can be so suddenly discerned. Or even confirmations in the Anglican sense. Who was here for the confirmation service two weeks ago? A few. There were over 300 people here. And the tangible presence of God was so real, even in that formality, as people shared what God had done in their lives. It was a wonderful moment. And to be honest, I think we've experienced the presence of God as we gather together each Sunday, time and time again. When we look at the response to prayer ministry, we, we look at the response to worship, we look at the response to sermons and the things that people share that God is doing in their lives. I don't think people are just trying to be encouraging. I don't think they're faking it to make the vicar feel better. Stuff is happening. God is touching people. And the key to it is the prayer that lies behind it. And let's just think, what if we prayed more? What if we prayed more boldly? What if we gathered to pray in bigger numbers? What if we actually started doing as a daily discipline what we might do on a Sunday? What might happen? in our lives, in our church, in our community. Let's believe and let's pray because prayer works and prayer changes things. So that's our first priority, devotion to prayer. Just like that Acts 2 church. The second is this, we need to invest in our relationships. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we know from the passage that we heard that they were devoted to fellowship and to eating together because that's what the breaking bread refers to. They met together daily. Now, I'm not going to pretend that that's realistic for many of us. It's not something we can literally fulfill together. But things like opening up our homes and consciously, intentionally trying to get to know each other better, to broaden that pool of people that we consider our friends, to actually becoming far closer to each other as a community. That is realistic. And we do it through joining a life group. We do it through serving on a team. We do it through meeting up socially. We do it through approaching people that we don't know each Sunday, introducing ourselves and taking an interest in them. And the interesting thing is, actually, that grows churches too. There's a church that's very fast growing that I know a bit in Guildford called Emmaus Road. And uh, I asked someone who has been attending there recently, how do you account for their growth? I expected him to say, well, it came out of the 24-7 prayer movement, which it did. But actually, that wasn't the thing that had most struck him, important though that was. It was the fact that every Sunday after the service, they go to the Weatherspoons pub there and have a meal together. Now, it's a student 
student-led church, if you like, a student church, and they probably were in more need of that than all of us. It may not fit our pattern of life. But the point is, if we invest regularly in spending time together, churches grow. It becomes a truly special community, a family, somewhere that everyone else would love to be part of, a true community. And we can do that too. We can find new ways of connecting with each other and we can see the growth that the early church saw. But that's only half the story, isn't it? Because it's not just about our internal investment in our internal relationships here as a church. It's actually about sharing faith so that people come to faith. It's about growing through new Christians. That's what we long for, and that's what God longs for as well. And the implication from this passage, and the clear testimony from elsewhere in Acts, is that the early church were equally invested in relationships outside their church community. For how else could they be enjoying the favour of all the people unless they were spending time with them. How else could people be becoming Christians daily unless they were actively sharing their faith? And I want to say to you that we can follow their example if we intentionally choose to connect with people outside the church, prayerfully consider who could we get to know better and thus earn the right further down the track to share a little bit about what God has done in our lives and what he might be able to do in theirs. If we're intentional intentional about connecting with people, well, that's what creates the opportunity for them to see God in us and for them to choose to find out more about what God can do for them. Which relates to the third priority that I want to share with you now which is this. We all need to genuinely be growing in our faith. Now, let me contrast that with what is often the pattern with Christians, it seems to me. I should have done a chart for this. But we grow in the early years of being a Christian, but then we plateau and we just stay where we are. I see some nodding heads. I think we all know that is the temptation, that we just live off past glories and that we no longer pursue spiritual growth with that passion, with that commitment that we once did. We've forgotten our first love. The fire has gone out. All we have is the pilot light. And what God calls us to be is fully on fire, like a boiler coming alive and producing that warmth and that radiance that we need to be showing to people outside. So the third priority I want to ask you to rise up to, and I want to say to myself, is will you commit to grow every week, every month, every year for the rest of your lives? Because that's what God's called us to. Paul, in the letter to the Philippians, talked about pressing on towards the goal And that's what God calls us to do. If we press on, we will be different. People will see in us the fire. They'll see the sparkle in our eyes. They will see the peace and the joy, the purpose, the clarity of direction, the love that God has for every single person 
and is being shown in the way that we treat those that we meet. Do you want to grow? God certainly wants us to grow. Can you grow? Of course you can. We grow through the daily discipline of meeting with God in prayer and Bible study. And actually, that's the other thing we can learn from the fact that they met together every day. They didn't just meet together socially. They met to talk about the scriptures, to encourage each other, to pray. And if we meet daily with our Heavenly Father and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, whatever form that takes, you know, reading the scriptures, praying on the train, in the car, maybe not reading the scriptures when they're driving, but at home, reading the Bible with our children, praying with a close friend, committing to go to life group every week, committing to read books and find out more, listen to sermons or whatever it is that feeds you, listening to worship music, whatever changes you and grows you and keeps you on fire, that's what we need to do. That's between you and God. You can discern what helps you to grow. But I want to say to us all, if we want to grow as a church, then we need to grow as individuals. And if we do that, the Christian life truly will be rewarding. It truly will be special. It truly will fill our life with purpose, with peace, with power. And that's what we were made for. We weren't made for mediocrity. We were made to have an impact. And that's what God has called us to So we need to grow in our faith, but we also need to grow in our confidence. And we've got a special opportunity that I want to ask each one of you to participate in on February the 3rd. We've got a speaker called Michael uh, Harper coming. I think that's his name. I might have got that Harvey, actually. Michael Harvey, who leads a workshop called Developing or Growing in a Culture of Invitation. A few people from this church attended it a few years ago, and they still talk about it today. Basically, what he does is helps us tackle the fear that prevents us from sharing our faith. And he makes the point that actually, if we think about it and work on some of these uh, barriers that hinder us, actually, we can go from being someone who's uh, keeping our faith to ourselves to someone who can have a real impact. And that's how, as a church we can have a real impact. So it's a Saturday, 3rd of February from 10 till 3. I encourage you all to keep your diary free on that day. Come along. And then off the back of that, during Lent, we're going to do another course called Becoming a Contagious Christian, which again is extremely well recommended, has been done all over the world and had a massive impact. And so through Lent, we're going to follow those steps in terms of how we can become contagious, not through being ill, but through having something inside us that's nothing to do with germs and is everything to do with God's spirit. So that people just naturally catch it from us. Making Christianity catching, wouldn't that be great if people just caught it from us? Well, that's what we're going to be working on together. And I firmly believe though evangelism is hard, though sharing our faith is hard, though living differently against the tide is hard, we can do it if we're intentional about it, and if we go through the journey of learning and thinking it through and praying it through, then we can be a church 
that has such an impact on our community that people will thank God for this church. And we really will have the favour of all the people. So, I want to conclude by just sharing with you the three priorities, if we can go to the next slide, Stefan, the three priorities that will enable this vision to be fulfilled. We've slightly amended the logo, so it's got a little hill on it now, and uh, it's got Camberley written underneath it. But these are the three priorities that in all of our communication will be there, just to remind us and to remind those outside the church what we're all about and what we're seeking to do. So the first one is that we would be praying constantly, persistently, with boldness and faith. Secondly, we would be connecting intentionally with as many people as possible, deliberately seeking out opportunities to get to know people well enough that they find out what we're really like, they find out what fires us, where we find out about them. And then on the basis of our friendship, on the basis of the trust that has been developed, we will be able to share the hope that we have. And some, as the parable of the sower tells us, many seeds will not bear fruit, but some will. Some will be on fertile ground. And unless we're willing to sow the seeds, nothing's going to happen. So we're going to consciously connect with people out there and with each other so that this becomes such a special community and that we become such special people who radiate the love of Jesus that others are going to want to join us here and find out more and find out about the God who empowers us, fills us with his spirit and is transforming us into people in the likeness of Jesus. And so the third priority now is that we also grow. We choose to grow individually, knowing that then we can grow numerically. We can grow spiritually. And so this church can be a truly special community to be part of. It already is, but it can be so much more so. Wouldn't you like to be part of a church like that? I certainly would. So let's do it together. Let's go for it. And let's seek to become the church and become the people that God made us to be. Amen.